you are what your deep driving desire is and as is your desire is your will and as is your will is your deed and as is your deed is your destiny All right, welcome to the Non-Zero Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Kanad, and I've got Bharath Gautam here with me. He's the founder and CAO at Datapoem. Datapoem, they build themselves as the world's most scientific marketing investment planning platform. And Bharath, I'd love to get into that. But first, um, you and I have a bit in common in, in the fact that we both have young children. I think yours is a little bit younger than, than mine. But uh, that, that was part of the start of our conversation, even, even before we jumped on the mic. And I'd love to just talk a little bit about your transition into being a father as somebody who's also trying to build a business, because I know a little bit about that as well. And I think uh, it's, it's a really interesting topic of conversation. Yeah, it's actually interesting in the sense that, uh, you know, when we started out uh, Data Poem, uh, you know, we knew that it is going to be a really, really long haul. All my time has to go in. And then... Around the same time when uh, we were incorporating the company, we came to know that our wife is expecting, right? You know, it was not planned for, it just one in a thousand probability that it happened. We said, <laughs> yes, I think, you know, it's good. You know, it's happened when we are starting something new. This is where life yes, is taking me at this in- point. What, what was the first thing that went through your mind when you found out you were having uh, a kid? First thing was uh, a, a mix of anxiety mix of uh, happiness it's it's a very weird mixture of multiple feelings because uh, one it was unplanned for so there's a pleasant surprise that you know uh, it <laughs> happened so that way and um, the second thing is it because you know it's again a new baby is again as much as a, a startup or the other way around right so what should we do i mean uh, should we continue? Should we, what, what are the things that we should, you know, uh, what will happen to the baby, whether we can give enough time to the baby because I'll be fully uh, involved in the startup. Uh, then we said, I don't want to interrupt the flow of my life when it happened that way because uh, the beautiful hmm. thing, you know, someone asked. Good, good luck with that, not not interrupting the flow of your life when you're uh, having a child. I don't know that that's uh, Yeah, possible. I mean, I'll tell you why. Because uh, someone asked me, you know, saying that, uh, why can't you uh, postpone having, uh, uh, you know, baby a, a little later, you know, when things are, you know, settled down and you can have enough time for your family, you know, it's a weird thing that happened. And, and my mind just got freed up, uh, when we took the decision to actually start up, you know, once the decision is taken, I was free in, a, in my mind that, you know, that I am not burdened at all. And I felt that when I'm taking up the challenge of challenging the paradigm itself of marketing investment that have planning happening for donkey's years, the new baby was actually, it felt nothing. And, and I was so okay to be, I mean, I was not like that. The decision to start something actually changed the way I look at things. Right. And, uh, for me, this is also one thing that is happening during the journey. And that's why I said, I want, I don't want to break the flow of the journey that's happening. That's how we said, let's welcome the baby. And, and someone mm-hmm. asked me that, so is it your second kid? Then I said, no, it's my third one. So Dia, my first daughter, data poem is the second one. And Rian is the third one. Uh, that's <laughs> how I'm telling. 
and the baby itself, that's, that's not the only way it changed your life. Cause you founded the company in Santa Clara up yes. in the Bay area, correct? And as, as we speak now, you're not currently in the Bay, you're yes. back in India, right? Uh, so I, I actually had to come back to, uh, India for, uh, the delivery. It just happened uh, during the COVID, just the onset of COVID restrictions, uh, in March and, uh, in a way it's happened for my for good i feel because i could spend that much time with the baby and uh, thanks to the entire virtual meeting uh, phenomenon that happened we're good you know you're still able to press on i was going to ask how how it might have affected business do you feel like you'd be further along if you were still in the states or or given the state of the world regardless of where you are since since work yeah. can be done virtually it's no, it's kind of a wash it, it, it doesn't matter anymore Geography doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> the place doesn't matter anymore because anyways, we're not going to do physical meetings. It's all going to be virtual. Yes, the time zone difference is the only difference that you need to figure out. But I figured it out. I mean, as we're talking with, we're doing it in the mm. night time of India, but it became a norm to me, right? Uh, so we have a 9.30 call. I mean, after this call, we have a uh, 11.30, 11 a.m. PT call. Uh, sometimes we do a call around 12 a.m. So it just worked out best for me, at least. I don't think there's yeah. uh, much I would have done if I would have been in the U.S. Well, so I, I want to get to data poem because it sounds like we have some time restrictions here. But one last question about this, because I really do enjoy this topic, especially since it's, I, I think a lot of people are dealing with this, that not just the challenges of being parents while starting you know, new ventures or more ventures, um, but also that of COVID and, and remote work. I'm curious because one of the things I've found so invaluable, I was so quick to want to get away from home when I was young and I never thought <laughs> I'd, you know, want to want to live back even, you know, near my parents, let alone with them. And it's being near family and having the extra hands and just having that connection and, and uh, is has been invaluable and has allowed us, uh, me and my wife, to do what we're doing because she's working remotely as well as a teacher. She's working half time, so it's every other day. But my folks are here right now, you know, taking care of my daughter. And I don't think I'd be able to do, especially during COVID where, where um, childcare kind of went the way of the wind. Yeah. We're a little bit worried, um, you know, having them as able to step in when, when we have to get work done. Are you guys, I assume being back in India, are you close to family? Yes. Is, is there, are yes, there extra yes, hands around? Yes, now. Yeah. So that's brilliant. Would you be able to do what you no. are doing otherwise? No way. No way. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's, it's uh, unbelievable. I think the, the, uh, nuclear family is a failed experiment. And we need to move on and, and modernity needs to progress and get back to multi-generational living. But yes, that's yes. for another conversation. <laughs> data poem. I, I love the name because data is kind of the opposite of yes. anything artistic. And yet when you think about sifting through data, everybody talks about the fact that, you know, data can tell more or less any story you want it to tell, right? There's lies, damned lies, and statistics. And that's almost an old saying about what you can do with data or almost what you can't because you can get just yeah. as lost with it and have more questions than necessarily it providing answers. How did you come up with what is the genesis of okay. the name data? So poem? the name has uh, two thoughts behind it. One is uh, pure arrangement of four stages of marketing which is planning optimization execution and measurement which became poem the second thought is that we wanted to oh it's an actual yeah, it's an anyway, acronym it's not, i don't even think yeah, i picked up on uh, that i mean it's a clever play of words 
actually in a normal world you do planning you execute you optimize and you measure uh, that's how uh, normal flow of life is and uh, we said we want to make it little more poetic and then poem poem happened you took a little creative yes. license with it yes. and i think it sounds great I mean, the second thought that sense. we had when we said we will use the word data poem is that we wanted people who are using the platform to be able to tell stories that impact business right it is not just mm-hmm. inferences it's not just insights it's about a comprehensive poem and poem can never be half right it has to be complete then only it makes full sense so that's the second uh, part of the thought process once we had the idea of poem which is poem uh, then we felt strongly mm. because you know it also gives the other connection that we are all, always looking for one of the things i've always thought about and i know poetry can be extremely long there's ones that go on for longer than many novels but in my mind po- poetry was always about expressing as much yes. as humanly possible while saying as little as needed so words just a handful of words can paint a picture more vivid you know than than any sort of photograph or or even your imagination can be more vivid oftentimes than than what's you right in so front of right, you so right and we actually use the same philosophy right we don't just because we have enough data and we can put 100 graph slides or when you know in the platform we don't do that we just put in what is right mm-hmm. which will make a comprehensive sense right and don't confuse people with data that is just for the sake of data and uh, graphs for the just sake of the graphs right and that's what we wanted yeah. to do right we want to create this impactful business uh, impactful stories actually what is required and makes most sense so i want to take a step back for just a second your your background you say is in hardcore marketing and that's you and and a, and a handful of a, a group of individuals who yes. founded this together are yes. hardcore marketers what was the problem that you saw with whatever the existing technology or landscape was for marketers how did you identify that data poem needed to come okay. to fruition so i'll tell you so this is uh, for my uh, myself uh, i've been uh, in this field for the past 15 years guiding marketers to uh, help them uh, spend their media most effectively and efficiently right and my co-founder is again almost mm-hmm. two decades into the uh, field since almost as i grew up in the business almost wanted to f- actually understand how the media investment is actually impacting sales uh, there was no real mechanism to do that uh, there were always leading indicators those are preference metrics like toma awareness consideration etc but never ever on what is impacting mm-hmm. the sale and uh, the only rudimentary metric that was available back then which is 15 years back uh, was a system called uh, market mix modeling which which in fact if you will you will be surprised is actually designed in 1970s right the same statistical <laughs> univariate model uh, has been followed from 70s to uh, you know when i joined my career which is 2006 right and most of the people have seen that it is not working for them to make decisions and most of the marketing companies mm-hmm. or teams have almost relegated market mix modeling into side right uh, there are i'm not saying everyone has done that yeah. uh, but a uh, lot of them have stopped using it because it was not giving them a sense at multiple levels one it won't measure all you know marketing inputs measured and non measured 
it won't take in uh, what you call uh, uh, granular inputs and most importantly it won't give them prediction it was always the inference right because statistical technique that they're using is predominantly an inference technique it's not a prediction technique so mm-hmm. by the time and it, it it was time consuming so by the time the results were out the market would have moved and it was not giving them real handful insights so that they can hold on to it and actually make business decisions so that's one that was there so we knew always that you know we need to figure out a, a leading indicator to actually figure out what is working and what is not working and you know what happens when you make media decisions it is not just that you make a decision saying that okay invest 10 million in tv or uh, 10 million in print it mm-hmm. is actually a series of decisions so once you take a decision about how much to invest in tv then you have to make decision in terms of how much to invest in each channel that is a second level decision then the third level decision is how much to invest in multiple programs within each channel right each thing is a decision mm-hmm. and it sounds like the the existing paradigm marketers just don't have the tools they don't have the data to make really educated decisions as to which channel is going to make most sense i've spoken with a lot of marketers and one of the interesting you f- things you find is You'll even see this on resumes where one of the things they boast about is simply the size of their quarterly yes. budget. And so it it says I managed a 10 million dollar quarterly spend. It says, "Well, that's fantastic, but what did you get from that? I don't want to know how you're going to spend my money. I want to know how you're going to help my company make money." And I think that's a a symptom of the problem that you're you're discussing. The, the reason they discuss or they talk about or brag about how big the spend is is because they don't have the exactly. metric on the other end. It would be much more relevant to be able to say my 10 million dollar quarterly spend led to exactly. x in sales, but because there's not that direct line from marketing spend to sales, they don't And have the today, data. So in 2020 CMO study, more than 75% of the marketers mm-hmm. tell that ROI measurement is their number one challenge. right because they don't have it even today wow. i'm talking about today right so that's one thing that was brewing in my mind when i was actually helping on uh, planning for mass media stra- mass media strategy and then as the digital uh, medium evolved and i actually uh, became a digital strategist and actually became the lead or uh, one of the agencies in india for uh, head of uh, digital for india and uh, again the mm-hmm. same problem started to come back i mean i felt that digital at least have some level of attribution that is possible from position a to position b or we can say that you know if someone came and clicked and bought uh, but again that's again becoming a silo because there is a interconnect so the consumer has moved and evolved right he is watching tv mm-hmm. going into digital for searching something or watching a youtube ad then watching a tv ad then comes back to website so that interconnected effect was no no one was measuring interconnected effect that's a other big problem right so right. even for digital marketers lot of time you only measure what is happening on digital but your campaign is also impacting what is happening offline right that's not taken into consideration mm-hmm. so you know and we were struggling with that itself and then one of the meetings uh, you know where we were presenting an annual presentation of telling the marketing team saying that you know uh we want you to invest abc which was completely different from what it was because the consumer preferences changed we showed them enough data points mm-hmm. and finally the marketing team said that you know we don't believe that and uh, 
it it almost became like a point of view uh, was of point of view uh, and and it was right right because they are operating from a their mental model there's no data backing my claim mm-hmm. because no one has done that and from his mental model it is right what he said was right and then i said was this the, the aha moment, moment? was this when it clicked over like in this, your right? head and you it bring it it's not one moment that happened it is a series of moments that happened sure. in a similar way it's exactly the same way it happened yes. time and again you you're making a claim that you you want to back up and you yes. say i just don't have the data but i know this exactly. or i i believe this so the idea is we need to get the data somebody yes. needs to create a, a a solution somebody needs exactly. to find a way to gather this data so let's talk about this the software a little bit does it integrate with like a Google Analytics account and with demand side platforms if people are running targeted display ads? Like how do you guys actually gather the data for your clients and maybe even a case study to just walk us through the customer journey would would help illuminate exactly what it is you guys are doing in the scope of work that your software provides? uh, I'll tell you two instances so that it becomes very clear. Uh, One instance, I will talk to you about a brand which is trying to sell to consumers uh, through offline and online channels, the regular uh, B2C, they call them B2C brands. And the second one is a B2B marketeer, right? Who's selling his product to enterprises. Mm -hmm. The first one has multiple uh, data sets that are required, right from all the media inputs, TV, print, radio, digital, outdoor, uh, any other spends that the marketeer is doing. We actually take all that data using almost 200 plus APIs that we've created so that one of the biggest operational problem of dealing with a measurement project is taken care of, right? Uh, because what happens is in the organization's data is in silos. There's a mass media team, there's a digital team, mm-hmm. there's a demand gen team, there's a programmatic team, there's a CRM team, there is a PR team, the data lives in silos, right? And by the time someone actually collects this data is a humongous task. And we said the first thing that we'll solve is that we will not have the teams who are actually working with us burdened by this. And uh, because of that, we created all these APIs for every medium possible so that the data collation is not a problem, right? So we integrate data at all levels. So for TV, print, radio, digital, outdoor, we have the... Uh, media input data that is taken by TV spots, video views, clicks, insertions, outdoor hoardings, everything at a most granular level uh, so that we have that data already uh, coming into the system automatically. That's one set of data. The second set of data we take, what we call is leading indicators data, which is search trends, Google Analytics, uh, social analytics, web traffic, app traffic, everything uh, on a real-time basis and the past data. And the third set of the data we take is business data, which is uh, product level, SKU level, uh, region level, retail channel level uh, sales data, which is imagine the sale of uh, a particular brand X in a retail channel, which is modern supermarket and how much it is mm-hmm. selling in each state by day we take data at that level and then combine all these data sets to create a what we call them as uh, a deep learning model and so how does yes. oh, i'm sorry so you what can happens is that so once we take in all this data we actually create the model the model will understand what are the inherent 
interconnected effects of different elements how is each element of marketing interacting with each other uh, impacting each other and hence find out the causation of how uh, one element of marketing is impacting on the kpi which is it can be sales it can be uh, leads it can be uh, e-cart value any of that that the brand is chasing right mm-hmm. and once we have that interconnected causation effect it becomes easy for us to do any kind of uh, forecasting or prediction uh, that the marketer or any what if scenario the marketer wants to create right so what happens is so we take the uh, data uh, we created the model and then now uh, the beauty is that we actually give causation not only at the medium or the aggregate level but actually at a very granular level of mm-hmm. uh, a tv spot how much a tv spot impacted how much a channel impacted how much a channel genre impacted so that you can actually aggregate everything at a region level and figure out what is working in each particular region what is working in california might be different from florida yeah. will be different from new york right you'll be able to understand that uh, once you have mm-hmm. that then you actually have option to uh, forecast for either a quarter a half year or a yearly and uh, you can predict it by either your sales target or you you have a budget in mind you can optimize that again the plan will actually give you a detailed option of what is the optimal investment required to achieve your goal how do you achieve it by you know by investing in uh, media a media b media c uh, media d and in this manner in terms of channels different channels yeah. that you need to invest so the software is it actually yes. making recommendations or is it just showing where so it does make i'm thinking my background is finance and and we talk about what's called yes. the efficient frontier if you're familiar with it if you exactly. have a set of investments and you have different correlations and risks you can actually plan out what the optimal investment strategy would be like it sounds like you've created an exactly. efficient frontier Your for marketing spend who i assume this is extremely high level. Is it the CMO that you're dealing directly with and potentially for smaller companies, yes. the CEO? Yes, um, that the CMO is the person who will need this output because he's responsible for the marketing ROI. But we've seen that uh, marketing analytics teams will be using it or data science teams will be using it to give that output to the uh, CMO. So the users might be the... Uh, marketing analytics team or a martech team or a, a data science team within the marketing organization but the outputs will be used by cmo mm-hmm. or vp marketing and how does the data manifest itself is is this some sort of cloud based solution because it sounds like you guys are a data management platform to to manage all of the silos and make sense of them as a collective um, and then is it also a data vis- visualization tool, meaning can, can people log in and do they get to see nice charts and graphs or are they more or less looking at some sort of sophisticated no, no, Excel spreadsheet? Is, uh, that's why I said when we set out to do, we said we will reimagine everything about this paradigm that is built in 70s, right? So we said all the data will be automated, right? Uh, it is uh, going to be uh, in the cloud space. It's not going to be, uh, you know, sitting on one system. Second, uh, mm-hmm. media media planning and planners are notorious for their use of Excel sheets because they have reams and reams of data that they have to churn and analyze. And uh, uh, you know, you go you go and ask any media planner. The first thing people will ask is, "You will be very good at Excel, right?" 
So we said, uh, no, that's like I said, <laughs> that's where the poetic part of what we want to represent comes in, right? Uh, we create a very compelling, intuitive storytelling using uh, visualization, right? That's the second thing that we do. Uh, the third thing that we said we will do is that all models up till now were static, right? You create one model, that's it. If you want new story, you have to create one more model. So what we said is that we will ensure that it is a continuous learning engine because things change dynamically. And if you don't understand that dynamically and make those changes, you will be losing uh, marketing ROI. So we said we will be a continuous mm -hmm. agile learning system, giving marketeers recommendations almost on a monthly level or a, a you know, quarterly level that he wants to make changes. Right. So that's the third thing that we did. And the last thing we said we will do yeah. is that we have to give them decision making actionable level insights at a very granular level, which is at a region, at a channel, at a you know genre level. That's the other thing that we did. If I'm a CMO listening, I'm I'm salivating for lack of a better word I can think of, but at at, at this idea. But at the same time, I, I feel a little bit. It, it seems a little bit daunting to jump in. You said there's you know 200 potential APIs, and I imagine that will grow. What does the onboarding exactly. process look like when somebody brings you in? Is this a thing that you, you and a, an entire team are going to work with the company in order to get everything set up, in order to train? And then on the company level, is it just the CEO that I'm, I'm sorry, the CMO or the top level who would have some sort of seat for the software? Or are you giving that to various different marketers within the company who are then going to have access to the the software and be able to run okay so if you just models. give you a live example like i was talking to about a b2b case that i said i think uh, that would help the first case that we've built in us one of our clients the first clients we actually onboarded them in exactly five minutes five minutes five minutes <laughs> I'm thinking one of these software I get in that says, do you want to, you know, uh, do you want to integrate your Gmail? Exactly. Do you want to do this? And I'm, I'm just clicking That's a couple of buttons. It's almost like mint.com with your finances, right? It's do you want to integrate your bank? Do you want to exactly. integrate your... So how, how, is, how is this possible? It seems like all of some of these silos wouldn't even have necessarily an online login unless I maybe I misunderstand the landscape but when you're talking about tv spend I get all the digital stuff that that much kind of makes sense to me but when you're talking about print ads and tv spends do, do those also have some sort of digital online login that they would have access yes. to that you can immediately yes. pull data from? everything wow. everything through api and i'm surprised why no one has thought about it <laughs> i am too maybe maybe uh sometimes that's it's one of those things where hindsight is 2020 and you're yeah. scratching your head saying, so saying why the hell didn't i do that? tv data to the level of a spot a spot that is aired in a particular channel in a particular program is taken into consideration a right. print ad in terms of insertion that you've done across the US market, across the 210 marketing planning units, we know that. Radio spots, we know by spots. All the billboards that you would have taken on offline, we would know that data. In fact, even, for example, we're Brilliant. going one step ahead and saying that digital data also. One is, like I said, it's the easiest way to get data from digital by giving an access, like you just said. Even that, we're able to get it now for brands, right, uh, through our data partners. This is first level. The second level that we've done is that we have now almost 
you know, consumer panel data of the range of 50 million customers and more, right? Where we actually track their transaction data of 1600 brands and that data is already available with us. So in a way, uh, if the brand wants to just see what is happening in their category and what is happening to their brand, without even looking at the, uh, even without giving access to their data, they can see the top line thing already. What we need to add is the other elements of distribution, product level details, if they want to see at that very granular level, that's all we need. So we've, like I, that's why I said, we said we will reimagine everything. You did. You, you, there's a Hindi scripture, Hindu scripture that uh, you put in your, your pre-interview questionnaire that I sent to you that I think um, with everything you're telling me about what you're doing, I think it speaks volumes to kind of your mindset. And I'd love for, do you know it off the top of your head? Do you know this um, scripture by heart? Can you tell it and, and, and what it means to you or do you want me to read it off and we can... We can it is mm. this, uh, you know, I just stumbled upon this uh, scripture, right? Uh, which is uh, from a great, I mean, we call them Upanishads, uh, which is like holy books of Hindu Vedas, right? And uh, one of the way, mm. one of the Upanishads, uh, you know, gist is that it is, uh, you know, talking about who you are and how do you define yourself. And uh, it just says, you know, you are what your deep driving desire is. And as is your desire is your will. And as is your will is your deed. And as is your deed is your destiny. Right. It actually means, I mean, at a very large level, it is a philosophy of karma, which says that I am responsible for mm. everything that happens to me. It is not anyone else. Right. Uh, and that is defined by your acts. And that acts are def defined by your desire as a person. Right. Uh, for me, all the while, mm. you know, and uh, after I stumbled upon it, I look back in my life, I do whatever I do right now. Every single decision inadvertently will be going back to that thing. Right. Because I won't do it consciously, but it just happens that way. Right. For me, the deep desire yeah. is uh, to have an impact, a positive impact on larger society. Right. Uh, a very positive impact on larger society where you use your intellect, your empathy to actually create that impact. For me, uh, this uh, particular uh, project or you know, the platform data poem is about my contribution to the world of uh, marketing and making it a better place. That, that's my thing. Yeah. And do, do you have... For me, what I took from it when I first read it, um, and this is this is just an interpretation, but it's it's we have these yeah. abstract yeah. ideas that occur in our in our mindscape, right? And and it's how do we manifest those? How do we make those a reality? So it's it's a dream to reality, and it sounds like, especially when you're doing something that's not iterative, that hasn't been done before, which it sounds like you're really creating something unique, which is really what I want to highlight on this program are people who are doing something unique and beyond that for a bigger purpose, because I think there's plenty of ways that we can do unique things that are still extractive, that are still not providing a tremendous amount of value. They might line our pockets and, and you know, that of our shareholders, but we want to think way beyond the shareholder. And so how do we get from, for, first, I want to talk about do you have, um, have you gone through long enough with, with a company or companies 
so far where you can talk about the results of meaning once we implemented this, we saw we completely got out of TV and we focused on these channels and we saw a we helped the company either decrease their marketing spend by X with the same results or they they had sales grow by Y. Is it too early no, to talk about uh, that? It, we've actually, uh, you know, uh, the faith and the confidence in the platform actually grows on a daily basis as we are talk, seeing the results live in uh, among our customers right now. And you will not believe that we have uh, created either savings uh, equivalent of it or you know use that money for better uh, results uh, for all the three come uh, all the three live cases and the cases that we're working right now and you will not believe we are able to save 20 to 25 percent in each case right and uh, that's wow. huge imagine a 650 billion dollar industry and we're able to use that 20 25 percent money for better uh, utilization that's a great influence right that's a great impact. Yeah, we're, we're talking big numbers. Marketing budgets are not small. So 25%, the law of large numbers, 25% yeah. is not a small number to begin with. And when you're talking about very big, yes. big dollar figures, um, that can be incredibly significant. And then I imagine that that money can be used and, and put yes. to more productive yes. purposes. I, I feel that uh, from a pure marketing perspective, I feel that that money is going to get invested in is going to give opportunity to invest in big ideas, right? Uh, which will make disproportionate impact. And that's what I believe will happen. It opens up ideas. It open, it frees up the uh, investment for ideas which never get to uh, light, right? And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very strongly believing in that. Do you want to talk about no more? I, I don't know how you pronounce it because the way where my mind goes... Uh, with this is is a little bit vulgar, but maybe that's what it's meant to be. No more FUQs, because that's what all of this is leading to. All the data, it gives you actionable insight. You can make decisions about how to spend your marketing budget at a 30,000 foot level, but it trickles down yes. to even the most granular details for the marketing team. What are, is it yes. fucks? So, you know, <laughs> we are almost making it our guiding philosophy in terms of uh, how we want to any product that we're creating or anything that we're giving, uh, the central guiding principle is that there should not be any FUQs, so-called frequently unanswered questions to the marketeer, right? If a product feature is going to answer that, that's the feature that's going to be inside. If it is not answering, it's not going to be there. So we want to envision a world where the marketing leaders don't have any unanswered questions when they're making decisions, right? Uh, It's almost like, uh, you know, when someone told us and I felt it so strongly connected is that we believe that the CMO is our Iron Man and we are like Jarvis, right? Enabling him with data uh, scenarios, making him make decisions, right? Uh, Almost like enabling uh, Mm -hmm. uh, brother or enabling bro, right? Well, you speak about CMOs and other marketers as if they are kin. And this takes me to something that was a recurring theme uh, for you, which is empathy. You said 
the that empathy was what you really owe your success to uh, and you used it in another way as well can you speak to i mean why do you feel that empathy is such a powerful because it's, it's one of many character traits emotions you know whatever it might be why why has empathy carried you uh, so far because so i'll tell you uh, from a, a deep uh, personality level i feel that my my personality type is more of uh, advisor stroke consultant and if you're not empathetic to others you will never be able to solve what he's thinking what he wants to get done and what he he's not able to tell you in words empathy gets it done for you right and uh, the reason why yeah. you know like i said one at a very personal level only because we have empathy towards what is happening to the marketers when they're making decisions or what is happening to the consumers when they're seeing uh, media investments or advertising that is happening you need to have empathy what is happening to the consumer or the marketer right unless you have that you will not be able to make decisions or make approaches that is win win for both sides right that's one level the second level is that in terms of to be able to figure out what is the right thing that the marketer wants it is not articulated all the time it is felt right uh, and if you don't have empathy you can't yeah. feel it it's not a data thing right you need to have that empathy and then include that empathy uh, to ensure that you answer it with data right if you feel that you know mm -hmm. i am investing my i have an idea which is to invest in a big campaign about social awareness or social good uh, that's the uh, mm -hmm. you know uh, hypothesis and uh, if you don't have empathy to make sure that it actually circles back and say that it actually gives you back in terms of business increments uh, then there is no value to the platform so we believe that when we do something with empathy we actually answer a lot of questions that are not even asked sometimes it's it's data poetry every it, it, we're coming back to that yin and yang yes. the, the marriage between art and science that consilience that uh, i think is so important and, and a lot of people don't really get to. We have a lot of analytics in the world and a lot of synthetic thinkers too, but the, the marriage of the two is, is yeah, oftentimes missing. Is because a lot of times when people talk about AI and, you know, systems like that, they always believe that the machine is doing stuff, but the machine is being given that intelligence by people like us, right? So it, that's where we believe mm -hmm. that there is a human wisdom, which is domain experts like us uh, are giving it to the uh, machine to use its power to actually do much more and that's why uh, you know uh, like you just said in an ang it has to happen that well, it sounds like it's a very human endeavor no matter how much yeah. information no matter how much intelligence and and, and data yes. we we bring to it it's always going to be what what can we how, how can we utilize yes. it to the best of our abilities? How can we make the most of, of this? Because otherwise it's all for naught. I mean, uh, at least I, I think in order for the for us to yeah. progress, that must be the case. So I think this is a pretty good place to, to wrap up. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to put some links in the show notes, obviously. But why don't you just tell for, for the listeners, where can people find you? How can they find out yeah, about data? Obviously on uh, datapoem.com, uh, we have uh, a LinkedIn page where we are uh, constantly uh, what needs to be done and uh, of course we are gonna uh, launch our podcast uh, which is no more faqs in this month uh, which is one place platform about 
uh, understanding what we are thinking, what we want to solve. And we are also inviting marketing leaders to actually participate and tell us uh, more about what their uh, FUQs are and how we can actually solve them for good for the entire world. Brilliant. Well, we'll look forward to it. I'll, I'm, I'm an avid podcast listener, so I'm going to look forward to listening to the show as well. And I'd love to have you back on sometime in yes. the future so we can continue, uh, you know, following up and, and, and just continue the conversation because I really find all of this fascinating. I, I, I love what you guys are doing at Data Poem. So, Bharat, thank you so much um, for joining me. Thank you so me. much for having me. It was really a pleasure. I mean, I thought this will be more about uh, how we are solving a marketing problem, the way you actually made it human and hopefully, you know, without empathy that we were talking about, you will not be able to do that. Uh, wonderful talking to you and hopefully yeah. listeners also like it. Cheers. You Bye. as well. Cheers. Bye. Have a great rest of your day.